Hi, I'm Erica. I'm Lori, and this is Homeschool Confessions. You guys, welcome to another week. This is, well, we're in the heart of February, essentially, right? And another week has gone by, and I don't know, I'm assuming, Erica, you're like me, where the weeks have just flown. Like, I had to actually think back to, wait a minute, what did we do this week? Did we do anything of any value or impact? And and I was reminded of how (laughs) habits and like the routines that we have, which I know you guys have a pretty strict routine as well, that they are what kind of develop us into uh, the character that we have as people. Does that, does that make mm-hmm. any sense? Like I was thinking about it and thinking, this is, it seems so mundane and it seems so useless. Like nothing big happened this week. Nobody like did some grand thing. We didn't get to go skiing at all. We didn't get to go on an adventure. Um, we didn't right. eat out at all, which, you know, is a very rare occurrence anyway. Um, yep. You know, nothing really fun happened. None of my kids had like an emergency or a major breakthrough in history or writing. Like I think of the things yep. I'd love to see, like my youngest son suddenly can spell and my middle son's handwriting is amazing all of a sudden. Like the things I'd love right. to see happen in the homeschool, like none of We'd all happened. like to see. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have like, any of those this week either. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just like, <laughs> great. Okay. What, what are we doing? What's going on? And, and Basically, I have to remind myself that there's a reason this is called a, not a sprint, right? It's a marathon, like right. at weeks like this, a little bit each week, a little bit each week. And I mean, now that I'm, you know, talking your ear off, I'm thinking about just before this call, um, I had to help a son with math and he struggles with math, you know, legitimately. He had a, his own math emergency and a big piece of his math issue is actually that he thinks that he's not good at it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's not amazing at it but he's not bad at it either but he just he tries it and he struggles and so he thinks he's bad and I don't know what it is with our human tendency to think that if we struggle with something that we're bad at it like just because it's hard doesn't mean we're bad at it it just means we're doing something that's hard by nature it's a hard thing right like think of rock climbing like if you go to a rock climbing gym it's hard you get to the top and you're like breathing heavy and you're like man that was hard that doesn't mean you're terrible at rock climbing it just means right. it's a hard task, right? It's a hard task. Um, but like I'm telling him in every week, I have to come back and remind him like, what is the major goal of this lesson? What is the major goal of this chapter? This is what I want you to zero in on. Don't worry about all the other stuff. Don't worry about all the challenging things they throw in there. Don't worry right. about this problem or that problem. Like the goal of this chapter is to get you to see this pattern with these polynomials and be able to pull that pattern out to reveal this truth. Okay. Focus on that one thing. Right. And it's in those little tiny steps that we have, like, Oh, it's this one thing that I did this week that I improved a little bit on this week, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Then I can, over the years, we can look back and say, Oh yeah, I actually changed a lot. Right. We do that with our Christian walk with looking at it and saying, well, I can't particularly, maybe I can actually, I probably could name like the sin that God's dealing with me with right now, you know, or Mm -hmm. the areas that I'm failing and I'm not doing very well in, or that I have any like success or like, look at what I've overcome this week in my sin life. Like I've overcome this sin and I'm never going to be tempted by that again. Yeah, no, probably not. But if I look at my life, you know, over the last 20 years, I see the growth and I see how certain things that I struggled with when I was 20, I really don't struggle with 
anymore. And it's not because they disappeared. It's because I have built that habit of focusing on Christ and, and repenting and surrendering in that area. And so it's becoming maybe a minor nuisance as opposed to like the major thing. Right. Does right. That, do you and see not that, everything. That pattern? Yeah, for sure. And I think that <clears throat> we never, um, in, in our Bible study book, we're reading about um, our life in Christ. And um, I don't know, actually, I think you're reading this book also, um, the YooHoo book. I don't know if you've gotten oh, yeah. here yet, yeah. but um, she's talking about how, you know, people who tend to err toward um, the humanistic worldview, which is, you know, things are pointless, basically, or what's the point of it all, right? And mm-hmm. and obviously, knowing the truth, we know that that everything is, is meaningful because God has designed our life story, right? And we don't always see it immediately. But when we look back, like you're saying, when we look back and it's like, I see now that that thing that felt meaningless at the time and just a disappointment was actually used because I see how God used that, right? Mm-hmm. So like you get those glimpses, not all the time, but but really you you do get those glimpses of like, oh, okay. And I think that that has been um, my conviction lately is I always am trying to look for the bigger things. Like I want to like get the big accomplishment done and I tend to see the little things as, the annoyance, right? It's like, Hey, I've got bigger things to do. I really don't want to have to deal with the dishes. I've got bigger things to do. I just don't want to have to deal with what I'm making for supper tonight. And I think that when we, when we sort of embrace that ideology, then, then we're saying, okay, God, what you gave me is just in the way of what I think you should have given me. (laughs) Like, and that's kind of been my, my conviction lately is like, Yes, big things are great, right? Like, sure. And God gives big things to people, but he also gives us little things. So, you know, I mean, like like we were talking about, I didn't see any major um, amazing thing that was like, oh, um, you know, my kid finally accomplished this, or I finally accomplished this, Um it was really pretty humdrum around here <laughs> this week. Um, but I, I did have a doctor's appointment, which is also a huge inconvenience, huge inconvenience in my life. Is like, ugh, like when I see the dentist or the doctor on the calendar, I'm just, I, I get angry because it's just like, oh, yeah. interrupting our life. You know what I mean? This is an yes. unnecessary interruption and I wouldn't do this if I, you know, didn't have to. And, um, I, so I went to my appointment yesterday, which means it was at nine forty in the morning, which is smack dab in the middle of when you don't want to be interrupted. <laughs> it's like, right. okay, well, we didn't really get school started. And that means you're basically just going to do the minimal right now, because then I have Bible study at two. <laughs> like it was just one of those days, you know? And, uh, I went and my doctor who is real friendly and you know, kind of, you can tell she's like, oh, okay, we can be chatty, um, t- was telling me, how she was expressing how 
the world just feels out of control and her kids aren't going to have this lovely childhood like we had when we were growing up because things have changed and blah, blah, blah. And essentially I was able to say, I mean, you know, I didn't get a full on like, you know, testimonial time, but it was just like, I was basically able to say, well, it would seem that way, except that God and that the world isn't spinning out of control. And she was kind of like, oh, I never thought about it that way, you know? And so it's just kind of a neat thing. It was like this thing that was going to be just an annoying interruption in my day was a blessing, you know? And that's really good. Right. Right. Well, in, in focusing on those, like I have to remind myself all the time, especially especially with certain people, I have um, my youngest son hates failure. And mm-hmm. he doesn't know it. He doesn't know that he hates failure. But but the fact of the matter is, every single time he sits down to do math, he's like, can you come help me with my math? And yeah. he hasn't gotten anything wrong. He's doing <laughs> this online one where he has to answer. He has to just enter the, the answer into it. And then it tells you instantly if it's right or wrong. And he gets them yeah. all right. And so I'll sit there and I'll be like, did you read the section? Yeah. Okay, well, what are you doing here? And he'll tell me and then he'll do it and he'll get the answer right and he'll put it in and it'll be right. And it's like, why, why am I here? You know, why, why am I sitting next to you? You don't need me to sit mm-hmm. next to you. You don't need me at all. Like you got this. No, you totally got this. You can do this, man. You know, and I'll, I'll try to tell him that, but he just doesn't. He, it's like, he needs me. It's like that toddler who you're, when your toddler first starts to like branch out, you know, you'll be in a room with people or something and they'll like walk across the room to go to a friend or to go see somebody. And they always have to look back at you to make sure you're right where they left you. Like you're not allowed to leave or to move as the parent because they left you in a specific place and they need to know where you are at all times, even though they're trying to branch out. It's the same idea where it's like, he needs me to sit next to him. And I'm like, dude, you don't need me. And I had the tendency to get super annoyed because I have a Mm -hmm. lot of other things I need to be doing. You know, I like, mm-hmm. I don't need to sit next to you and do this. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is my priority is homeschooling my kids. Like I totally should be okay sitting next to him, even right. though he doesn't technically need me. He's not, it's not like he's cheating. He's not asking me to do the problems for him. He just wants my presence. Right. And so I really, a better, a better way. And I'm preaching to myself more than anything else. Cause I, I tend to be like, you don't need me. I'm going to go to this other thing. I really should just bring whatever I need to do next to him and sit next to him and right. I'll work well, he works. And then that way I'm there in case he needs me, but I'm still getting something right. done and I'm not, and that'll keep me from having that like emotional, you don't need me. Why are you asking for my help again? You know, right. frustration. Which just to, just to sort of, um, just to sort of pull that way, way out of, <laughs> way out of context and, and given a, you know, a deeper example is like, I think that we want too much independence. Like we expect independence, right. right? Which is true. Like we're raising kids. We have to teach them to be responsible. We have to, I mean, they can't hold mommy's hand forever. Obviously this is real and true and right. Right. That, that sentiment right. is a right view. Um, but it makes me think like we're, we're also too ready to just be like, okay, I've got this. And it's like, well, and so, and so we stop looking to God. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the beauty of, of the image of, of a child who's like, just checking to see if you're there, just checking, you know, I have to be able to see you is like, that's the way we should approach our life as adults. Right. Exactly. It's like, 
never branching out, never feeling like, oh, good, I finally could cut the apron strings and now I can put God on the back shelf um, because I've got this. And this was one of the this was one of the moments this week, actually, that really tried my patience (laughs) is there was a, um, well, this is a popular sentiment, right? Like let go and let God. And it's like, so you, you were sovereign the whole time and now you're going to give the big guy a chance. (laughs) Like, is that what that means? You know? (laughs) And I saw a Sunday school program advertised and it was like, um, I forget what it was. They had like a, like they called it something kind of like how VBS has a theme, you know? And, and the subtitle of it was, Try letting God take the reins this year. Oh, wow. And I was just like, there's so much wrong with this. Like, you know, you start, I don't know if this happens to you, but when I see something that like, especially in like Christendom where it's like, I'm going to hyperventilate. Like, that's really what happens to me is like, this is, this is so wrong. I'm going to lose my mind. And that's kind of what was happening um, when I saw that. Because I think we have this false notion, right? It's like the bumper sticker, Jesus is my, God is my co-pilot. It's mm-hmm. like, if he's your co-pilot, you're in the wrong seat. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you doing? You know? Oh, anyway, I just went wildly, wildly off. But I'm just, you know, it just makes me think of that. Like, because that's what I do all week long. I'm constantly trying to brush my kids out. Like, go get done. Go do what you're supposed to do and let me do what I'm supposed to do. Right. And so, and I do that. And like my biggest failing is in the kitchen. Oh, I'm readily admitting to this and it pricks my conscience. And it's like, I just want to get it done. You know what I mean? I don't want to teach you through, um, cutting up chicken breast. Like I want you to go find something to do so that I can just hurry up and get it in the crock pot, you know? Right. But that's not Uh, what we're like that. I am like that with the kitchen as well. I mean, not so much with my kids because I've gotten to the point where most of my kids can cook. And so it's mm-hmm. like, no, you get in here and help me because it'll be faster. But right. I, we've gotten into the point where like we have specific meals that we eat, right? Mm-hmm. And ones that we can make and we enjoy or whatever. But my entire purpose of being in the kitchen is so that we can eat dinner and move on with our life. Like the mm-hmm. eating and the whole meal is just not central to what I do. So I'll have, I have to like remind myself to be kind when somebody comes in and makes a suggestion like, oh, well, you know, if we did this, then this could be, this would add a whole lot more flavor or we could take this, you know, if you, if you roast, if you brown the meat for beef stew first with some onions, then it'll bring out the flavor of the beef before you put it in the pot. And in my head, Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, why would I want to spend an extra 10 minutes doing (sighs) something else and then having to wash another dish? Mm -hmm. just so that it supposedly will have more flavor. Like, I don't care. In the end of the day, we're going to eat beef stew. Like it's going to happen whether it's browned or not. And if I don't run it, then it's going to save me a good 15, 20 minutes of my life. So I'm not doing it. It's not worth it to me. And I have to be Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 stop. Some people actually enjoy the meal and the meal is the thing for them. And for me, I'm like, my priority is educating my kids and doing other things and cooking. Is just one of those things where it's like I do this because we have to cook, right? You know? and, and but that's not the case. Like it's an it's a that's not a holistic mindset. Like it's supposed to be living life together and teaching our children how to have an education and pursue God in the midst of the meal and the cooking right. and the cleaning and everything else going on. And the meal is where the fellowship happens. 
I mean, it's, and it should, right? I mean, this is, this is modeled to us throughout the entire New Testament. You know what I mean? And so, so this fellowship is, food is a tool that God gave us. Not only is it a good gift because we like food and good food is great, you know, but we also get to have this facilitation of like, here, we get to all sit around a table now and fellowship with one another and enjoy the food. And that's, I feel like that's, that's the part that we need to sort of reclaim. I mean, God already called us to that. And we, we need to reclaim the fact that we can have joy in this, that it's not something we need to get off of our list. It's something that we were called to do. So it's his will for us in that moment, which means we should be able to do it joyfully. But that's really hard. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's true. Um, but it, and it also reminds us that, that it's not just the food we eat, but also taking the time to eat the food together. Right. You know, and sitting down at the dinner table together and eating, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, my family, we do, we don't eat breakfast together and we usually don't eat lunch together. I mean, it's, there's a very high chance that when I go to eat lunch today, that there will be somebody else eating lunch. And so I will get to talk to that person or whatever, but right. for the most part, I mean, my husband's working and the, my kids eat at different times and whatever. Like we just don't eat those together, but we are, we are like sticklers about eating dinner together. Like Mm -hmm. we make a a dinner meal and it might be a simple meal. It might be salad. Like that might be the dinner meal. It's for us. It's not about the food. It's about taking the time to sit down together, eat the meal and talk about our day. And we do devotions after that and stuff like it's about the spending the time together at dinner time. Like we prioritize that. We don't get involved in events that are going to take us from our family in the evening. We just don't. Right. It's not. It's not conducive to good family culture for our family because our family is not together during the day. Like I'm right. with four of my children. You know, one of my children is gone all day, and the other, and my husband is is working. So, like, that's when we all get to come together is at dinner time. Right. 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 Exactly. That makes sense. And the other, I mean, you know, the other half of it is too, is that we all have, you know, we all have a different family culture. It's not all going to look the same for for my family. I mean, we do eat dinner together. Um, Of course we eat, the kids and I eat together for breakfast and lunch also. <laughs> so like we have quite a bit of sit down time, but obviously the only meal we actually get to eat together together is when Mike gets home from work. Um, and so I want to put the effort in, like he enjoys good food. Like he's, he's thankful and grateful when I've made hot dogs, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but he's, he, it's like the last, last, um, a week ago I had gotten a new cookbook And I was like, I'm going to try these recipes. And the thing is, is that I, I kind of feel weird because it's like any, anybody can follow a recipe. So like when someone says, Oh, that person's a really good cook. I'm thinking, are they making it up themselves? Cause I don't make anything up myself. So then I feel like I'm cheating. (laughs) Like all I did was follow someone else's recipe. Like if you can read, you can do it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like I, I don't know how you qualify that. I don't know. But anyway, I had gotten a new cookbook. And so I tried out some new recipes and they were big hits. Like it was the attitude of the meal 
was so different than on the nights where I'm like, oh, hurry up and come get your food. What are we having? Um, it's chicken and rice, and I don't want to hear any complaining. <laughs> like, and that honestly like, is unfortunately a common occurrence in my house. And this actually leads me to a question. Here's, here's, a, here's a question for you. Um, do you feel like your family culture needs to have a lesson in every area. And by that I'm referring to like, if I make a meal or several meals that no one is really thrilled about, (laughs) but maybe I like them and they're good for you and they're not bad, but everyone's just kind of like, can I be excused? Like, how much of how much of our life should be, well, you need to learn to be thankful for what's put in front of you, or how much of it should be, my family doesn't like this particular type of food, so I'm not going to make it just because it fits in the budget, like just because it's cheaper. You know what I'm saying? Is that a weird question? <laughs> no, it's not a weird question. I think it's really good. I guess I- I'm trying to understand it. So that when you first asked it, I was thinking, okay, wait, does everything have to have like a moral lesson to it or like a right. connection? Like my son doesn't like lentil stew. Actually, I'll use a really good example. I have a son who doesn't like lentil stew. I discovered this the week before last that he doesn't like lentil stew. Do you know You've been years? making lentil stew. Your whole life. I make your lentil stew. <laughs> I've been making this lentil stew for like, 18 years, like since before we even had children. So I'm like, oh my word, (laughs) how is this even a thing? First of all, what kind of a parent doesn't know this? Um, But, but the other side of that being, I, when I make something and somebody doesn't like it, I don't hound them and say like, well, you need to be thankful, even though you don't, you don't like it. Like, I don't, we don't even have those conversations as far as I know. And mm-hmm. it's not because I'm not trying to get them to be thankful. Right. It's just, I think it's kind of a cop out for us to to require our kids to be thankful of things. Like you think of the, the classic example of Corey Ten Boom being thankful for the fleas. Like mm-hmm. our natural human tendency is not to be thankful for the fleas. Right. You know, um, we want to be, we want our kids to be thankful and you start being thankful by being thankful for the things that you like. Right. Right. And when you're and when you're in a hard situation, you can learn as you mature to be thankful for things that you don't like because you don't know what the alternative to them is. Is right. the alternative is right. Yeah. So I don't turn everything into a into a moral story. It's a especially with food. I'm like, we make it and we eat it or we don't, and I don't argue with you about it. And if you don't eat my meal, I don't care. And apparently I don't notice for years <laughs> that you don't eat this. And actually to his credit, one of the reasons I didn't know this is because he eats it. Okay. Right. He eats it when we serve it and he doesn't complain about it, but he doesn't like it, but he still eats it because he knows that he should eat it because he knows it's healthy and it's good for him and you know, all the things. Um, but I guess that's, that's our culture. I don't, I don't really ever serve a meal and say, this is what we're having. You're going to like it and stop complaining. I just serve it. And it's like, I don't put any qualifiers on it just because 
I don't expect them to complain about it. And if they do complain about it, I might say, well, I'm sorry you don't like it, but could we be a little kinder, you know, or could you make suggestions about what you, what you think we should do to make it better? You know, um, Caleb made this meal, a different version of lentil stew actually last week. This is how I discovered he didn't like my lentil stew, by the way, is that he made a different version. We found this other recipe for lentil stew and I'm blanking on where we even found it. I think I searched online like lentils in the instant pot or something. And like this recipe uh-huh. came that, that looked really interesting and it called for these vegetables that we didn't necessarily have. And so um, I was like, well, just use whatever vegetables you want or whatever. And one of the vegetables it calls for is mushrooms. And we didn't have mushrooms. I think we have some in the freezer. But anyway, this is a long story. Sorry. I'll try to be quicker. And uh, no, no. so he, he made it with whatever vegetables we had and he served it and it was amazing. Everybody loved it. It was a hit. It was so good. We're sitting around the dining room table eating this meal. And I said, this is really good. I said, even though we didn't use, you didn't use the, the vegetables that were on the list, I said, it's really good. And I said, one of the vegetables mentioned in the recipe was mushrooms, which I, I don't know about you, but I've always been taught that kids don't really like mushrooms. They're like, it's a picky eater thing. Like a lot of picky eaters don't eat mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Every single one of my kids at the table was like, oh, mushrooms would make this so good. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them was like, we should make this again and put mushrooms in it. And I just, I was like, I love this. I love that they enjoy the food, that they appreciate the food and that, right. and that they're thinking about how to make it better. And they're like, let's add mushrooms next time, you know, or let's try a different right. vegetable next right. time. You know, it's just like, this is great. This is what we want. But I think a big piece of it is that I don't moralize everything. Right. You know, I don't, I don't put a moral on everything. Uh, right. And I mean, I was raised, we joke because my, my siblings and I joke that my, my mom was raising us for prison camp. <laughs> because <laughs> she, I mean, she made good food, but when we didn't like something, she would always be like, you have to learn to eat things you don't like. And, and then when we became adults, well, when we became adults though, Mike and I were having this conversation and I was like, okay, there's been probably a handful of times where I've gone to someone's house and they've been like, I made fish stew. And I'm like, well, I know I'm going to, I'm not going to be rude and I know I'm going to eat it. And I know I'm only going to take a tiny bit. And I know that I hate fish stew. (laughs) Like it's okay because I'm an adult, right? I was a wicked picky eater when I was a kid. But really, other than those handful of examples, unless you become a missionary in Papua New Guinea and you're just like, well, I have to completely learn, relearn how to eat because the food is crazy or whatever it is, right? Like, unless you're in that sort of rare circumstance, when as an adult do you actually have to eat food you don't like? I mean, I don't care for, um, you know, oysters, but I'm not, when I make the grocery list, I'm not like, I'm going to go get some oysters because I got to make myself eat these. <laughs> like no one's doing that. Right. So you have, you have this, this, yes, this part of truth, which is like, yeah, you need to be when, you know, you need to have an appreciation. You need to accept good gifts. If somebody, if you're at someone's house and they offer you meal, you need to accept it and be thankful. You don't need to take That's heaping true. mounds of it and you might not like it but you know how to not be rude. My kids know how to not be rude at someone else's house. Like they know how to not be rude. And so that's, that's really good. But I also feel like, I mean, 
when I was a kid, it was like, why are we being trained to eat things we don't like? And now I wonder, like, if, I mean, I definitely have found myself sort of doing that with my kids where I'm like, well, too bad. <laughs> like, like I, I'll make chili probably once or twice a month. I love chili. Mike likes chili. I don't think he loves it, but I love it. And, and not one of my children likes it. Not Ooh, one of them likes it. None, none of them like beans in any way, shape or form. I mean, they will eat other meats. They will eat vegetables. They will really eat what I tell them to eat. And if it's something I know they don't like, I'll be like, okay, you only have to eat a little bit of this. Right. So it's pretty normal, but like, I'll continually make a meal that I know they don't want and then get upset that they're not eating it like, like they're about to head off to, you know, be a prisoner of war. (laughs) Why do I do this? And you know what I mean? And then the family environment is, is what a stress. And then the meal making becomes a stress because they go, what's for dinner. And I say, Oh, I, I made, you know, this and they're like anything else <laughs> it's like, well now I'm angry I don't want to cook for any of you ungrateful wretches and now you're mm-hmm. going to sit at the table and we're all going to be mad <laughs> right. you know it's not a great pattern well and it's in any one level we're all sinful and so we're going to have some problems like that, regardless of if we have your specific issue. Like I don't have the issue with my kids complaining like that, but I do have um, some people who love eating and they think eating Mm -hmm. is like the greatest sport ever invented. It's not a sport. Okay. It's something we do at a necessity. I have a very like utilitarian mind about eating where I'm, I don't say to my kids, Oh, you have to learn to like things that you or eat things you don't like. I tell them, um, you don't have to like it to eat it. Okay. Mm-hmm. We eat food for nutritional value and sustenance to do other things that are way more important. I have mm-hmm. some children who want to eat because they want to eat and right. want to eat something fun. And so even though they he likes, I have a boy, so I can use the he, he likes salad and he likes baked potatoes. He doesn't necessarily want to eat salad and baked potatoes. And so then we have to deal with the contentment and the, be thankful for what you have, you know, conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's, there's always, if there's not one thing, there's always going to be something else. There's always going to be something where it's like, Oh my, are you serious? Are you serious right now? Like, mm-hmm. can we just be thankful for what we have, you know, and right. just eat it and move on or be thankful that we are even getting to do homeschooling, you know, and as homeschoolers, we tend to throw that over our kids too, which we have to go, we're running out of, we are like super out of time, but I'm getting to the point where, you know, like when your kids were younger and they would complain that you had them doing worksheets. I mean, did you not threaten them with the school bus? Like everybody threatens your, their kids with the school bus. Like you don't like this. Well, you could be on that school bus right now and you'd be at public school for eight hours. And have you seen what those buildings look like? They're like prison. They look like a prison, you know, or you don't like the salad that I made. Well, you could be eating moldy bread with maggots uh-huh. on it, you know, or, you don't like this, but you could be doing this. And you know, in reality, like none of us were going to put our kids on a school bus. None of us are going to feed our kids moldy bread. Like what are we doing? What exactly are we doing to our kids? Right. My word. Right. (laughs) Creating trauma. That's what we're doing. If if we had been more mature, we would have said, 
well, you need to go, you need to take this problem to God and you need to come back when you're prepared to approach this with a good attitude. We know that now. <laughs> I did not know. I did not have right. the wisdom to know that when I was like, there are starving children in other countries that would love to have this disgusting cornmeal dish that no one likes that I made. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No one likes so, it. No one likes the polenta. I just knocked over a piece of firewood. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm like, ah, nobody likes polenta. It's so good. I love polenta, especially with some pork chops and applesauce. I don't know. I'm, I'm the only one in my family who likes polenta. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, as an adult, I don't, I don't eat a whole lot of things I don't like. What's funny. Cause my kids are always like, why don't we eat a lot of bacon? And I'm like, well, one bacon is really expensive. And two bacon is gross and I'm not cooking it. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> and they're always like, oh, Ooh, so I buy them bacon when they like go to camp with their dad or something. I'm like, you guys can take the bacon to camp and it'll be a special treat. <laughs> Okay, because it is a special treat because it's expensive and you can keep the grocery yeah. at camp. I'm not, I'm not putting it in my house. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't agree with you on that. I know nobody does. <laughs> nobody does. But you know what? I can assure you, if you don't like bacon, you will never be served bacon at a friend's house. Never. I've oh, never for sure. Been no one's going to waste bacon. it on you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Nobody's wasting their bacon on you. Like, uh-huh. they're not I'll tell you what you bacon. never what you never want to do, and I learned this on all on all by myself. I learned this one: wine does not pair well with bacon. Ooh. So if that ever comes up, if you're ever like we're having breakfast for supper, don't do it. It is not good. <laughs> Only do it if you're willing to not have wine. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. Oh my goodness! I did make. I made some some chicken last night in the crock pot with this recipe I keep seeing all over the place that everyone's raving about. And I was like, Oh, that was okay. But it wasn't like amazing. I thought it was going to be amazing. So you put chicken in the crock pot and, and cream cheese and ranch seasoning. And then when it's all done, you shred it up and then you, you mix it with some bacon. And I'm thinking, who's not going to like this? I mean, creamy, cheesy, like it'll be real flavorful. No one really liked it, including myself. Like, it was like, yeah, this has flavor, but I'm not interested in this. But at the same time, my kids were sitting there kind of like, eh, and they ate it. They ate what they were asked to eat. And they were like, thanks, mom. That was good, you know. But it was like, nobody really liked it. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, how can you not like this? There's 16 ounces of cream cheese in here. <laughs> like, right, exactly. Who's complaining about like this super right unhealthy. now? <laughs> exactly. But it was just still like, eh, you know. I mean, well, it's just, oh, it's just oh. our attitude. Well, and, and wine didn't go with, well with it then, right? Because there was bacon in it? I didn't have any wine. I was oh, okay. fresh out. I'm like, <laughs> I, would not have, I would not have done that. But you know what wine does go well with is, um, and this is, I promise we're going to end here. For, so for all of you February people who are like, February is kicking your butt or giving you a smack upside the head in the face, <sighs> which is what's happening to me. Um, February wine goes really well with uh king ranch chicken which is something caleb made this week in the instant pot we found the instant pot recipe for king ranch chicken and it was so good it was delicious so good we had that with a salad and some wine and it was like this is one of my new favorite meals is that just what the meal is called or is it a specific 
like you're only there's only one it's called king ranch chicken because i think it comes from king ranch in texas okay Um, so anyway look it up it's basically like chicken and peppers and onions and a white sauce and some cheese and you cook it in the instant pot and you shred it and it's i don't know he made it and then you corn tortillas and it's just it was delicious it was so Sounds good. Great. And it, I had it with the, some wine and I was like, this is my kind of meal right here, people. So Sounds great. There you go. A fun February meal for you. That'll keep you toasty warm. So enjoy. Awesome. Make it with joy with your children. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>